win number 57 for the Phoenix Suns comes at the hands of the Chicago Bulls. For the second consecutive game, the Phoenix Suns have scored 129 points. Yeah, last time it was against the Houston Rockets. This time they're playing the Bulls, a much more worthy opponent, if you will. And they still dispatch them like they are nothing. Matthew Lissy couldn't make this one. He's out partying in Old Town. So if you're in Old Town tonight, give Matthew a high five. So I've got Coach Evan B., who's kind of just become our honorary Friday night podcasting partner. So welcome to the podcast, Coach Evan B. Yeah, thanks for having me. Orange Friday is always a good time, man. <laughs> yeah, you dominate Orange Fridays for us because I've been always been on the road. Now Matthew has a drinking problem. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> drink on the pod, but when the opportunity presents itself, he goes out and uh, he gets a little turned, turned down. Good for, what? for him. Good for him. He earns it. Drive responsibly, have, Matthew. He didn't have gluten all week, so he's out there having some gluten tonight. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I appreciate you joining the podcast. Appreciate all the Jamsters who are watching along live after this pure obliteration of the Chicago Bulls, man. Yeah. What did what, you think? Just, I mean, what else can you say? Start to finish. We can go over the numbers. We can do all that fun stuff. But it's just another Phoenix Suns game, right? This is just what Monty and company does. So we're going to get into everything, but this is just fun. And we only got about three weeks and two days left of the regular season. About three days and two weeks? That's fair. <laughs> or three, three weeks, weeks and two days? Two, three weeks and two days. Wow. <laughs> just, just roughly, you know. Well, close you don't enough. have it down to the hours, but, you know, close enough. Yes. Uh, welcome, Jamsters. Thank you for following along live with us. Make sure you follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Coach. At Coach Evan B. And, and what podcast do you host? That that old he's on fire podcast, you know, no big deal over there. He's on fire. I love it when you do those drops during that pod too. It's just like you're like he's heating up, <laughs> it's, uh, and it's always when somebody's talking, which is the best. It's the best. It phases them. They're like he's heating up. It's like if they can continue with their thought through the heatings up, then they're officially on fire and they're worthy to be on the Absolutely. he's on fire podcast. <laughs> it's a great way to vet your your. Uh, your guests. So uh, on that note, Jamsters, we're going to go ahead and remind you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you're listening to the podcast, please do the same. If you're watching along live, hit that thumbs up button. Let everybody know where the best post-game pod on Planet Orange is. And Skylar Diggins-Smith, if you happen to be watching, you can come on the show anytime. We'd love to have you. I, I tweeted that. She liked it on, on the Twitter. So, hey, Ty, Skylar, we, we'd love to have you. This is a Skylar Stan uh, podcast. We always have been. And we always will be. Go Irish. She's a she's a she's a Notre <laughs> Dame person, so I got I got to flash my Notre Dame tattoo. On that note, Coach, are you going to be drinking anything on this Friday evening? I had to call in sick today with a with a bad bad throat and just body aches and everything. So I got some hot tea, some throat coat tonight to to I, help me get through. Coat. This. <laughs> I like that cup, man. It's like Ninja ASU, like Ninja ASU kind of. Yeah, a little gold and embroidered. But you know, I we love suck that. So. Yeah, no, it's all good. ASU backwards is USA, and I can support that. I'm going to pop open a Coors Light, because nothing's more American than Coors Light, buddy. And we're going to talk about another dominating win for your Phoenix Suns. It's 
a 27-point victory for the Phoenix Suns over the Chicago Bulls. And I like what Sonia Lovato says in the chat. She said, let's all tweet Skylar and the yes. pod and see if she responds. Yeah, let's let's I'm flutter. You know, seriously, I told her, I'm like, hit us up on the, in the DMs. If you do, we'll send her a link to the show. We'll have her come on. Uh, I don't care if the audio is horrible. We would love to have Skylar Diggins-Smith on this podcast. And it would break Matthew's heart for it to happen tonight if he wasn't around. <laughs> so... Uh, but but looking at this game against the Chicago Bulls tonight, uh, Coach, you know, I, I'll start here. You used to live in Arizona, right? Yes, correct. And you know what it's like this time of year. It, it's spring in Arizona. And I used to work at a timeshare hotel. I worked there for 14 years. And we literally would prepare ourselves for the middle of March uh, through the middle of April when the – when you had a whole bunch of Midwestern money come into the town and spend their spring break here. And the majority of those Midwesterners were from Chicago and or were Chicago White Sox, Cubs and Bulls fans. And when that would happen, they they, they come, you see them drive up all the prices of everything. Spring training goes through the roof. Uh, and it just so happened that the Bulls were in town for this game. And you could hear a little bit of that on TV when DeMar DeRozan started uh, went to the free throw line for the first time. And the MVP chance started. Kudos to every Suns fan who was there who just started booing them out of the arena. But did you notice that on the broadcast? And did you hear the the Chicago Bulls fans tried at the beginning to make their presence known and the Phoenix Suns quickly dispatched them? Absolutely. You heard what, two, three, maybe a little bit of the fourth time, the, the MVP. And by then it was shut out to the point you couldn't hear anything. And when he missed that first one, yes. Oh, you sure didn't hear it starting on the second free throw. Kudos, Suns fans. Kudos to you. Yes. Everybody in the arena, fantastic job. Way to shut those Chicagoans up. And again, you know, thank you, Chicago people, for coming out here and spending your money, helping the economy out, driving those prices up. I, I wanted to go to this game. And I looked at prices and it was like 230 for the upper bowl. And I was like, oh, yes, it's spring break. It's where all the people from the Midwest who've been frozen for the past six months want to come out and they bring their 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 pasty bodies out to the pool, uh, lay out all day. Then they go to local sporting events and ruin the pricing for the uh, all of us locals who want to go see a quality team. But it's OK. We win uh, the DeMar. Is DeMar DeRozan a, a looter in the riot? Look, man, I will say I got a lot of flack from the ASAP Sports Network uh, group chat that we have where, you know, there's a lot of East Coasters on there. And, mm -hmm. you know, Booker Booker is nowhere near the the precipice up top like a Levine is, like DeRozan. He's he's nowhere near that. But you know what they were saying afterwards? What? Yeah. Booker might be just as good as them. I'm like, yeah. no, Booker's better. How come neither of those guys ever really won anything? Weird. Yeah. Weird. Odd, huh? Odd. And you look at how they played tonight, and granted, this is a one-game sample size, but Zach Levine, one for 12 from the uh, the field, ended with 12 points because he was at the free-throw line a total of 12 times. And you had DeMar DeRozan, who scored 19 points on 6 of 14 shooting, but of those 19 points, uh, 10 of them came in the fourth quarter, and 6 of those came at the line. So it is a one-game sample size, but much akin to – the East Coast only seeing the Phoenix Suns in certain situations. This is, for Suns fans, the second time that they've seen the Bulls and the second time that the Suns have uh, obliterated them. If you remember, the first time we played the Bulls this season, we were up 27. It was the end of the game. 
all of the reserves were in and the Bulls went on like a 12-0 run when the Suns were up 15 right. and the final score was like 127 to 124 if I remember correctly and if that's correct that's pretty impressive because I didn't look uh, my memory it's nice it's probably wrong but I mean so the only two times that we've actually seen the Bulls if you're a Suns fan now granted I've watched the Bulls in other capacities uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan is pretty nasty in the fourth quarter but the reason I like to say looter and a riot one, because it's funny, because uh, people used to say that about Devin Booker. But I, I literally, I wrote a piece for Bright Side of the Sun earlier this week talking about Devin Booker being not only uh, considered for all defensive, uh, an all-defensive team, which I know would never happen, but due to his defensive prowess, how he should at least get a second team uh, nod. And DeMar DeRozan's kind of that guy who step, who's standing in the way, right? He had those 10 games where he had 30-plus points in 10 consecutive games. Everybody started throwing his name around in MVP conversation. Do you think that Devin Booker should be on at least an all-NBA second team over a DeMar DeRozan? Do I think so? And will he? Those are very two different yes. questions right there. Do I think so? Absolutely. Did anybody else, and this is for the chat and, and you, of course, John, did you hear K-Ray with the facts and the knowledge tonight? And he said Devin Booker has the best defensive rating for NBA shooting guards that is in correct. the whole league. That I mean, what correct. else do, What else do you need to say, man? You're, you're guarding yeah. some of the premier perimeter players. Now, granted, Mikhail's getting the main guy, right? And then sometimes Jay Crowder might get the second guy, depending on matchups. Like, I get that. But he has been a killer on the weak side all year. He is coming up with steal after steal. One game he had six steals when mm -hmm. Chris Paul was out. Should he be? You know what? That's arguable. You could absolutely argue that. Will he be? No, he won't be. Come on, man. You, you know he won't be. Maybe Mikhail will. Mikhail should be first team. I'm hoping he just oh, yeah. gets second team. Mikhail, I'm hoping he'll get second team just because of East Coast bias and NBA bias. So... <laughs> Thank you, Stephen A. Smith, for throwing a little cloud our way for once. I really hope Devin has. He's a full two-way player. I'm rooting for him absolutely every night to get 30-plus just to shut people up. And he's, man, he's just doing it game in and game out in different ways now. Yeah. In different ways, John. Yeah, the dude abides. You know, and and what I did in that article is, yeah, I put that stat. I, K. Ray probably read my article, and that's where he got that statistic. Uh, so thanks, K. Ray. Thanks for the shout-out. Jeez. Um, he's on fire. He, <laughs> but one thing that I noted was looking at uh, a piece by Zach Buckley from Bleacher Report. And I'll preface this by saying Bleacher Report annoys the shit out of me. Uh, they just put shit out just to put shit out. And it, is, it, it, it isn't always something that is a pleasurable read. Uh, but what Zach Buckley, uh, Zach Buckley did on March 3rd, so two weeks ago, was put out kind of his third, second and first team all NBA uh, projections and you're starting to see this a lot uh, i don't know if you listen to the bill simmons podcast but bill simmons and ryan rosillo they discuss this kind of all the time now every time they have a uh, monday podcast and one thing that he had is he had on the all nba third team he had chris paul now granted this is right after the injury occurred devin booker wasn't on there so in theory you could just kind of swap those two out because devin booker is no longer being cannibalized by chris paul but all nba second team he had steph curry and luka Doncic as his guard guards and all NBA first team. He had John ja Morant and DeMar DeRozan. And what I literally did was just, I, I looked at just four different factors, points per game, field goal percentage, well, five different factors, points per game, field goal percentage, offensive rating, defensive rating, and net rating. And of all of the players listed above Curry, Doncic, uh, Morant, DeRozan, and DeRozan, Morant. Yeah. Uh, 
Devin Booker has the second best defensive rating. Steph Curry has a 103.4 defensive rating. He's a point guard, so it's different, obviously. That's why K-Ray was like the, the best defensive rating for a shooting guard. So net rating-wise, Stephen Curry is a plus 10.7 net rating, whereas Devin Booker is a plus 9.3. Both DeRozan and, and Morant are both plus 3.2, as is Luka Doncic. So if you look at some of the statistics, if you look at some of the advanced statistics, everything is telling you that not only is Devin Booker a great offensive player, uh, he averages more points per game than Stephen Curry, Luka, Morant, and DeRozan uh, are above him. Well, uh, John Rand, I don't even know if he's above him. Uh, but that being said, Booker's the best all-around guard. And at some point, defense has to matter. And you saw it again tonight with Devin Booker. Playing great defense, as you mentioned, Coach. Great weak side defense. He ends the game with 28 points, 10 of 18 shooting. Highly efficient. One, one for three from deep. He also added three rebounds and three assists. Everything that he's doing is telling me all-NBA. And it's we're we're in that part of the season, the last you know three weeks and two days, where we're mm-hmm. having these we're we're starting to have these all NBA conversations, and I definitely think that he has warranted an opportunity to be at least a second teamer, if not a first team. He's the best player on the best team in the NBA by far, the best NBA team by far. Preaching to the choir. I mean, shouldn't Chris Paul at least get minimum second team? And everybody was like, oh, this is just because Chris Paul, Devin Booker does this because of CP and and Monty, yada, yada. Okay, well, we have all these injuries and Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder out again. And what does he do? He just runs the team. Yeah, He just leads them to victory. He just, you know, gets 28 points. Absolutely no problem for him. What else did he get? Four rebounds, three assists. He did have three turnovers tonight. But you know what? 10 of 18. 10 of 18, John. It wasn't a 10 for 24 night, 11 for whatever. It was 10 for 18. Efficient, 7 to 7 for uh, from the free throw line. I just needed one more three-pointer from him to hit my own personal parlay, damn it. And he had, <laughs> but two of those long makes, his toe was on the line. Always. I don't know what else you can say about the guy, what else we have to prove. We're going to prove it in the playoffs this year, John. That's, that's, what, it, that, that's what it comes down to. Uh, shout out to cousin Will. Dropped nine ninety nine in the super chat. We appreciate it. Uh, if the Suns get rings, it'll be because this time without CP three, they had a tough time w- without him at first because he makes things so easy. But now, can't wait to see what they look like with him now. And that's a great point. This team yeah. is doing nothing but grow without him. They're now nine and four without him. They've scored one hundred and twenty plus points now seven times. In those 13 games, so almost half of the time, if you look at their total assists entering tonight without CP3 or with CP3, the team averaged 27 assists per game, which was fifth in the NBA. Without CP3, 29.3 assists per game, which is first in the NBA. And then you look at again tonight, you know, 23 more assists. This team. You, you cannot fully credit the success of this team to CP3. As you mentioned, Coach, it's it's Devin Booker running the team. It's everybody else stepping up, embracing the roles, executing within the confines of those roles. I mean, Skylar Diggins-Smith was mentioning it on the uh, the broadcast. It's like, hey, Eddie, what, what do we do when Cam's back and CP3's back and it's playoff time? It's like you go, you go down to an eight- to nine-man rotation, but every guy now has the confidence he needs to be successful if he's called upon come playoff time, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, we're going to see. We saw it with the Lakers in round one last year. How, what was it, game four, game five? They Then they wanted to start Marcus All, and then they pulled them. They didn't know what to do, and they were playing against us. Or they were playing them against themselves more than they were playing against us. And we're going to see that this year. Absolutely. Even if Jamal Murray is back, which it looks like there's a little holdup now. I, you know, he was going to Grand Rapids and he was going yep. to come back, and now there's a little bit of a holdup. So even if he comes back, that's a guy that can't play the whole time. You know, if we play the Warriors and Clay Thompson, is he going to be full full grown to be 37 minutes a game? No, probably not. So depending on what the matchup is, we're going to go in there and be able to kind of tailor it to that. We'll play our starters. Our starters will do what they need to do, right? And then mm-hmm. whoever comes in, whoever has the hot hand, I really think Monty's going to ride that. We end up playing Milwaukee beyond both is going to have a big role even if he didn't play the other three series so it's an abundance of riches it's almost comical how deep this team is i mean you look at every other suns team that was good the 92 93 suns and the 0304 and the 2010 suns mm-hmm. we didn't even have a backup point guard for nash years right and you now had, look you at had us. some barbosa but even then he was more of a backup two guard than right. a than a backup point guard. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This you team had, you had Dragic in the not the 2009 in 2010, tenure, but, yeah. But he was he was still a young guy. You couldn't fully depend on him, you know. Yeah, this team just buzzes in so many different ways. And to your point, injuries happen, and, and like it or not, Suns fans, injuries will continue to happen to this team moving forward into the playoffs. Remember last year, CP3 loses an arm for a series. We lose Dario Sarch in the NBA Finals. Devin Booker was nicked up. Tory Craig got nicked up in the in the NBA Finals. But the depth of this team is ridiculous. I've never, I've watched basketball my whole life. I've never seen a team this deep. And I'm not just saying Phoenix Suns teams. I can't think of very many teams that had this much depth. Some of the Spurs teams had some really quality depth, uh, but a lot of it is superstar based. You know, Matthew and I have had that conversation numerous times where if you have two. And and it's always been kind of his case for the Lakers. If you have AD and LeBron, you always stand a chance because of the the weight of those superstars. But what we're seeing is something that reminds me of like the San Francisco Giants over the past decade. They've won mm-hmm. they won three World Series, and they didn't do it because they were they had uh, a guy who hit fifty home runs, and you know they played the best uh, or they had the best pitching staff. They had an awesome pitching staff, but they had a, a great defense, and in every aspect of the word, they were a team. They were like the anti-Dodgers. Right. And, you know, so I think that I love you, Freddie Freeman. I love you, Mookie Betts. But I think that this team is so rejected. <laughs> He's on fire. <laughs> but I think that this team is so deep and it goes to this point. Here's one thing that nobody's talking about. And I'm going to I'm going to do a little trivia with you because you're a basketball mind. Um, I want to click this button because Matthew put this in. I don't know what it does. So it's like some sort of trivia drop that Matthew had there. But but here you go. Here's some trivia for you. With this win, the Suns are up, what, nine in the Western Conference, right? Correct. Correct. Do you know the last time a team ended the season with an eight-game or better lead in the standings over every other team in the NBA? Every other team, not just conference, team not in the NBA? Not just conference, every other team in the NBA. Oh, it's going to be something like either the 2000-2001 Lakers or the 96 Bulls. You're pretty darn close. Kudos. It's the 99-2000 Lakers. Well done. They had an eight-game lead. Uh, They finished 67-15 and with an eight-game lead. Wow. Here's a bonus question. Can you tell me who the number two team was that season? The Blazers? 
The Blazers. Wow. Can you tell me they're starting five? The Blazers starting five? Yeah. Damon Stoudemire, Steve yep. Smith, Scotty Pippen, Rashid Wallace, Arvita Sabonis. Oh my God, dude. You are he's like he's on fire. That Let's was go. that was impressive as shit. Man. All correct. All correct. <laughs> I am so impressed with your basketball knowledge. That and was... I think the Heat were the number one team in the East that year. Now that I don't know. I don't have the stats. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just making that up at that this was point. A great, that, no that, was, that, that was a great team, though. Both of those teams were fantastic. But that's right. the last time a team had at least an eight-game, and they had an eight-game lead. They finished the, the season 67 and 15. The Portland Trail Blazers finished with 59 wins. The Phoenix Suns are on pace to do something just like that. And nobody talks about it. Nobody. Wow. Nobody cares that the Suns are obliterating the NBA. Because when you have a record like that and you're that far up, that isn't, oh, they were the healthiest team and all that. No, we haven't been the healthiest team. Look at it. We've been affected by COVID. We've had eight now. We've had Booker out uh, twice with, with health and safety protocols, beginning of the season and then again. We've had uh, uh, Chris Paul out for the past. How, how Chris Paul, watch. How long has he been out? Uh, four weeks and two days exactly. There you go. So that four to six weeks kind of time frame is hitting. So you can't you can't use those excuses. You know, you and I, I think, both commented on the same uh, Twitter feed yesterday where somebody was saying, like, Stephen Curry's out, uh, AD's out, you can't call this season, or you can't count this season. What kind of garbage is that? There's always somebody injured every year. There's always two or three superstars injured every year in every sport. It's not like you go, oh, well, that, that one doesn't count. I don't care. Even the bubble counts. I mean, I, do I like the fact that the Lakers won in a bubble? Uh, no. But it still counts. I mean, there there was a T-shirt and a and a hat that went with that championship. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just it's unbelievable to me how unbelievably uh, disrespected or just not talked about the dominance the Phoenix Suns display night in and night out. And you saw it again tonight. The Bulls, albeit they have some injuries, much akin to the Suns. You know, they're, they're, who who are they missing now? Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball and, and Derek Jones Jr. is back now. So yep, Patrick Williams. Like you can't yeah, tell me like he'll be back next week, but yeah. So I mean, this is a team that isn't missing much more talent than we are. We're missing a lot more talent. Cam Johnson, no Jay Crowder, no no Chris Paul, and we obliterate them. And again, no no one will say anything, and I don't care. I don't care. Bring on the playoffs, baby. But speaking of Jay Crowder, second game out with a sore dick. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? And are you worried in any way, shape, or form? Dude, I'm to the point. Whoever starts at the four is going to be successful. We saw Cam Johnson do it. Obviously, Jay has had success, arguably the most success in his career. Yes. And now Torrey Craig hasn't missed a shot in two games. <laughs> By the way, he didn't miss a shot tonight again. Again. Again, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give him the drop, the, everybody's favorite drop when you're listening because it doesn't make any sense. What's up? But you're right, Torrey Craig, 5 for 5 from the field, 14 points, 9 rebounds. What is it about being a starter that has Torrey Craig just on fire? Ball movement. Ball yeah. movement, ball movement, ball movement. And uh, who was it? I think it was Richard Jefferson, either the last game or two or two games ago. Whatever he said, against the Phoenix Suns, you have to like doing the same thing correct over and over and over again. Because the Phoenix Suns will get you on that. And you see it with them. You saw it in the bubble. You saw it in the first game Monty Williams coached when we beat the Mavericks and DA had 20-some points and Booker mm -hmm. had a game winner. You know, 
you saw it then. You saw the ball movement. You saw they were able to get the loose balls, the tip outs for rebounds, the little extra possessions here or there, chirping to the refs the right way to try to get calls later in the game. You saw the little things adding up. And when you're on that offensive, offensive, uh, uh, sorry, starting unit, excuse me, they just go, man. It's like they all know exactly what they're supposed to do. And they mentioned it tonight on the broadcast about every guy knows their role. When they come in, they're talking to guys, hey, you're going to do ABC, you're going to do XYZ. They know their role. They don't give up. And if any team does anything wrong against them, like anything, one small rotation, if you try to play into a pick and roll against Mikhail Bridges and DA, you're going to lose. Thank oh, you, yeah. uh, David. Uh, uh, who was that? Four point play. Um, Steve, David Nash that pointed that out on Twitter mm-hmm. tonight. Mm hmm. If you do anything wrong against this team, they're going to find that weakness and they are going to obliterate you. But I mean, to me, dude, it all starts with ball movement, the way that ball just spins around the perimeter. It's it's just beautiful basketball. Oh, absolutely. And again, that's why we said, you know, since Chris Paul's left, we were we're the first team in the NBA with assists. And when he was on the team, uh, we had five or we were fifth. So it's it's the Phoenix Suns way. And if I remember correctly, I believe we finished top in the league in assists last season as well. So we have two consecutive seasons in which the Phoenix Suns are elite at moving the ball. And it reminds you of those mid 2000 Spurs teams. I remember watching that finals. I think it was the 2014 NBA finals, the Spurs against the heat where by game two, you realize you're like, Oh shit, Miami doesn't stand a chance because to your point, the Suns do what those Spurs teams did. They kill you with execution and it's, and it's not sexy. It's kind of boring basketball if you don't appreciate the game. And that's, again, probably why you're not seeing a bunch of highlights about the Phoenix Suns. Because when they show the the highlights, it's Devin Booker hitting a a mid-range jump shot. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, that was exciting. Meanwhile, you got Jaw, you know, running, flying through the air, jumping into people, you know, throwing his nuts in their face and then doing a layup on the way down. And it's, it's, it's it's more of the TikTok you know, Flash, kind of flashy, you know, Instagram. Where, yeah. And meanwhile, you know, they lose tonight. Whereas Devin Booker and his team just goes out there. They're efficient. And, and I think that's a very valid point. They exploit every little mistake you have. They will exploit it. Uh, Fabio asks a really good question relative to Jay Crowder and his groin injury. The real question is, Coach, if Jay needed a massage, would you do it? If, if that means he's going to play in a playoff game? Absolutely. That's not it. I have no shame. Twice. Absolutely. I would do it twice just to make sure that he's three times on go. Sunday. <laughs> you know, but again, Tory Craig, it's nice to see his resurgence. He had a couple solid games before these two starts. He's playing well. I think it bodes well for Phoenix Suns fans. It's given Jay Crowder some time off. And he's playing solid defense as well. I mean, he was he spent a lot of time on DeRozan. I think that the wing depth and length of uh, Mikhail Bridges and Torrey Craig against Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan was really problematic for them. And it's been problematic for them in, in the two matchups that we've seen this season. Another interesting twist to this game was Alfred Payton got the start over Aaron Holiday tonight. Why do you think that is, Coach? Light a fire under Aaron Holiday's ass a little bit because he's been careless with the ball. Somebody brought that up on Twitter, Mr. Anderson, S-U-N. Hey, he's in the chat. Ah, perfect. Welcome. Yeah. There we go. Um, yeah, it, it's that's that's what it's gotta be. Cause I was thinking that too. It was really weird because 
Payne, or excuse me, Alfred Payton hasn't done anything this year of note. Yeah, he's deed up a few times. He had a few nice floaters in the lane every every couple games, but you know what? He uh he hasn't done a lot. So to light that fire under his ass right now with now eleven games left makes a lot of sense to me. So that's got to be it, right, John? I I think that's definitely a factor. I think the size of Alex Caruso might have had something to do it with it as well. Uh, but I think that we're in that moment or in that mode. And and I was talking about this a little on the last podcast what Eddie Johnson said during that Rockets game, the Suns are in the process of of finishing out the season. So part of that process is, as you mentioned, coach, trying to find ways to motivate your players, to keep them competitive and engaged and starting EP or not starting, but having him be the first guy off of the bench uh, after Cameron Payne takes a seat is a way to motivate Aaron holiday saying, Hey, we're going to try something a little bit different. Uh, crazy Luigi says in the chat as well, Gabriel Lundberg is also, there's a threat to Alfred too, uh, as a threat to Alfred too. So Gabriel, what's his nickname? It's like, Ify. I don't know how to say it. It's like I F F E. Yeah. Ife. I didn't see the little whoosh over the yeah. E, so I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting to hear the first time he comes into a game and we hear exactly how it's pronounced. But until then, mm-hmm. I'm going to call him Gabe Lundberg. When Gabe you- Lundberg, when he joins did, the team, did you, see, did you see any of his highlights? By the way, John. Yeah, he dude, looked, he's sick, man. He's long. He's long. He's he like looks, six four, he but he's got like good. a six, a seven foot wingspan. He so again, good. he's he's waiting in the wings. He's one of the best prospects from the the Russian league, and he's gonna he's joined the Phoenix Suns. And again, he's gonna be somebody who's gonna again put that pressure out there. So Monty's like, hey, Alfred, get out there, play a little bit, uh, and let's see what you got, and maybe that's gonna motivate. Aaron Holiday play better, and it's gonna. I'm giving you a chance to keep your your role, what limited role you have there, buddy. Uh, again, you know, knowing that that Gabe Lundberg's, he's he's just around the corner. Now, what was interesting, and you can attest to this, what what I love about these games, Coach, is when the Suns are blowing the shit out of people. Like I said, they've done it now 14 times, where they've just blown the shit out of, out of people. These are fun Twitter games because by the third quarter, you're just sitting on Twitter looking at shit. Because you're yep. like, oh, they're up 20. You know, you're watching some of the sets. You're seeing how the game's going, but you're just like living on Twitter. So again, follow me at Darth Voida. Follow him at Coach Evan B. Great follows. Uh, but the the reaction on Twitter when Alfred Payton came out instead of Aaron Holiday was hysterical. It's like it's like Monty Williams was putting a guy out there who was missing a hand. Like everybody was shocked and amazed. They're like, what? How dare you? The guy's only got one hand. Why would you ever put him out there? And it got me to thinking. What are the best one-handed characters of all time? Do you have anyone that you like to... I made a list because, again, I was bored. <laughs> Captain Hook. Captain Hook's on my list. Yeah, big there time. We, there, there we go. I, I got to think of some others right now. Bucky Barnes. Oh, had, sure. You know, one Duh. arm. His hand was gone. Uh, I got Roy Munson from Kingpin. Good one. He's, yes. he's got the hook. Uh, Jamie Lannister. Clearly. Classic. Clearly. Um, number two on my list is Darth Vader. You'd think he'd be number one on my list, but but his number son. one on my list. No, no, no. I'd even put Luke on there. Luke's a pansy. His music <laughs> isn't nearly as cool either. But number one on my list, Chubbs. Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. Clearly. One hand one hand. That's so. a hell of a list. I wish I w- wish I had some notes beforehand to do a little podcast prep. Jeez. I know. I should have sent them to you. That's my bad. Uh, Matthew didn't even send you the link. So 
I'm just glad <laughs> I'm just glad you somehow made it here, you know. There so. we go. <laughs> but to transition out of one hand, one-handed <laughs> bandits, if you will, uh, let's let, let's do a drop that you know that the jamsters they're pining for, they want it. You got it, folks. All I can say is sham. Wow. Landry Shamit tonight, man. Welcome. You know, he's got the he's got the juice back, if you will. What did you see from Landry Landry tonight as he scored 14 points, five from eleven from the field, and three of six from beyond the perimeter? Do you have the ability of being able to look up Landry Shamit's stats since the All-Star break? Or do you already have them pulled up like the consummate pro you are? I can I can pull them up. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see what his shooting percentage is because, you know, at one point in the season, I remember looking and he was a 32% three-point shooter. He's at 36.3 now, which is almost 37 and a half was his worst. So he's almost creeping up there. I mean, he shoot another 50% a couple other games. All of a sudden that might actually get up there, but he just seems to be getting it now. The thing I always liked about him is that his defense never swayed. His body language after he missed a shot kind of was like, uh, damn, but then he'd get right back on defense. But no matter what, his shot has always looked the same. His feet are so quick at getting set, and EJ pointed it out during the broadcast. He just has a little bit of a weird spin to his shot where the ball doesn't fully rotate like this. It kind of goes to the side just a little bit, you know? So maybe that's some of it, but he just... He just seems to be in the right spot at the right time right now, and I couldn't be happier for him to start getting hot, you know? Now's the time to get hot, man. You know, like you said, since the All-Star break, 39.3% from beyond the arc. He's, you're starting to see him be much more engaged. And and what I've noticed is he's starting to put the ball on the floor a little bit more. Now, he isn't making every Ooh, shot, yeah. but he isn't just he isn't limiting himself to catch uh, and shoot. And that was kind of a development that I noticed earlier in the season with Cam Johnson. When Cam Johnson decided, hey, I'm going to start actually driving to the rim, because every time he would line up from beyond the arc, the opposition would run at him. And sometimes they'd run him off the three-point line with their defense, but that opened up another area of the floor where, where he became really comfortable starting to shoot. You're starting to see that a little bit more with Landry. He had a nice little reverse layup early in the game. He had a couple shots that you're like, hey, that's kind of like a Booker zone area to shoot and although he didn't make either one of those shots I was pleased that he was trying to make those shots he's not just limiting to himself to being a one-dimensional I'm just going to shoot three pointers uh again I think that everything that he's doing right now is boding well he's trending in the right direction as you mentioned and I think that with him and Cam Johnson coming off the bench come playoff time if both those guys are humming like good fucking luck against this team dude I mean, even now, as I mentioned, seven games since Chris Paul's been injured, this team has scored over 120 points. You you input Chris Paul back into the equation that you have that first team offense do what it's currently doing right now. It's humming right now. And the second team unit, I mean, it's just, it's again, we, we fall back on the same conversation of the depth is, is ridiculous right now. And Landry Shamit's a personification of that. When he's not making those shots, when he's not adding 14 points, to the fray, the Suns are finishing with one, you know, one ten to one seventeen, and that's a zone that's beatable. But when you're scoring 129 points, you're generally not going to lose those games. Now, just imagine if that second unit had Campaign, Shamit, Cam Johnson, Tory Craig, oh and JaVale McGee starting the fourth quarter. Like, are you kidding me, John? Like, that's going to be a knockout punch lineup. If we're up by 
eight, 10, 12 points, and we're going into the fourth quarter against whoever we play in the playoffs and their subs, we have a chance to be up by 20 to 24 when Book and Chris Paul come back onto the court. If they come back onto the court. That lineup's yes. going to be a nickname knockout punch. I'm telling yes, you right now. I love that. I love that. And the other side of that is even if they don't extend the lead, that's not a team that's going to give it up. So facts. even if they're, you go four minutes in the fourth quarter and they all are a, you know, a plus or minus one, the starters are coming back in with that lead. And those are the things that we've noticed as Suns fans over the past 10 years that were frustrating is we'd have these games where the Suns would start off hot or they'd hold a lead going into the fourth quarter and the subs would come in and just blow it couldn't play any defense and next thing you know you're losing those games with this win tonight I believe the I believe the record now is 44 and 0 entering the fourth quarter with the lead which is a new NBA record they broke the 2019 slash 20 and Los Angeles Lakers record of 43 and 0 so that's another record you can go ahead and throw on it the Phoenix Suns have scored over 20 points 14 or have won by over 20 points 14 times this year. I mean, this is it's somewhat comical. And again, I bring up these statistics to remind everyone to appreciate this ride, man. You know, as, as much as I do, coach, winning basketball games are it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Watch any other team right now. Any other team, they win three in a row and they're like, dude, this is it. We locked it in and then they lose a the game. The Phoenix Suns put together win streaks uh, very easily simply because of the fact that they are deep. They play within the confines of who they are and what their talents are. As you mentioned, they know their roles and they execute at, at nauseum and at boredom, if you will. They they execute. This is another four-game win streak for the Phoenix Suns. And this is, let's let's pull up a little, let me, let me click a button here and hope my computer works. There we go. Uh, this is now our... One, two, three, four. It's the fourth time this year we've won at least four games consecutively, if not more. Wild. It's even more than that. We've won eight games consecutively three times. We've won nine games consecutively twice. This team is just ridiculous, man. I don't even think. Am I on the right team? You dropped 2,000 Lakers reference to this Phoenix Suns team. I, I was like, is it the Lakers or the Bulls of 96? Like, just even having that thought is yes. ridiculous i mean we're 57 and 14 the 2000 lakers finished 67 and 15 and if anybody doesn't know that was prime kobe and Shaq right yes. there like prime you can't stop Shaq. arguably top three player ever Shaq. right agreed agreed and you are talking about the suns being on this level now granted we don't have a dominant player like Shaquille O'Neal but after Shaq and Kobe you had guys like Glenn Rice was a killer that year Glenn mm-hmm. Rice was a killer you had old man Horace Grant who did what he had to do but then Forgot you got he like, was on that team yep you had Rick Fox Brian Shaw uh uh Derek Fisher and I'm forgetting who their starting four was at the time I think it might have been Horace Grant but that was like that was like it they didn't have depth one through 15 it was top heavy and they ran through the Nets and the Pacers for three straight championships, and the and the uh, 2006ers with mm-hmm. Iverson. Yeah, and these are those team. are some historic teams. Arguably one of the best Sixers teams and Nets teams of all time. So, well, I don't even know what else to say. I don't want to get ahead of myself either. I don't want to be like championship no. or bust. No, I'm a, I'm seeing a lot of Suns fans. Can we talk about that for a second? Let's a do lot it. Of Suns fans are talking about. 
is this championship or bus? It's like, you can go there and you can have that argument too. I want to finish with the best record in Suns history. Just like personally, it doesn't yeah, mean anything. In me the playoffs. Too. I, I, I want to celebrate that. But you know what? The only thing for me personally that matters is winning on Sunday right now. That's like the coach's mindset. One yes. game at a time. We can't get ahead of ourselves because once we get to the playoffs, we got to focus on game one, not who we potentially play in the second or third round. So, John, if we – is it championship or bust? No, I don't think so. And I agree with your mode of thinking. And I, I it's funny you say that. I feel like we're very similar personalities on Twitter because I think we have a little bit of – we have a lot of logic and we don't go so much for the hype. Uh a lot of people, when you're on Suns Twitter and you start talking about the Suns, and if there's any forum where an opposing fan comes in, especially if they're a Warriors or a Lakers fan, the first thing they go to automatically is they go to the rings. Well, you guys still haven't won a championship. It's like, cool, I'm not worried about the championship right now. I want to I want to celebrate every little victory along the way and enjoy it because that's what this is about. And last season was a great, uh, a great opportunity to feel those feelings and to celebrate like that because – it had been so long since we had been in the playoffs. And, it, and obviously the last time we were in the playoffs, we, we made the Western Conference Finals. Getting to an NBA Finals last year was, uh, I was through the roof excited. I mean, I have, that hasn't happened since I was, you know, like 11 years old. So I was just like, I was in shock. This year, I'm really trying to focus on, let's, and this, and the, this comes from Chris Paul, Devin Booker, the Phoenix Suns. They're like, we're putting little goals in front of ourselves. And we're celebrating those goals. Getting Coach Monty Williams to the All-Star game. That's something that we're yes. fighting for, and we're celebrating that. And I, am a, I agree with you 100%. I want, personally, to have the Phoenix Suns win at least 63 games this season simply because this would, that, that would make it the greatest regular season Phoenix Suns team in history, and I've got to enjoy it and watch it and podcast about it. I mean, that makes right. it fun. And the only way to do that is, like you said, talk about Sunday. We got the Kings up next. You know, I can't sit there and tell you. Matthew and I started to do it a couple podcasts ago where I put the schedule up and we started to go through. It's like, dude, fuck that. I can't do that. It's overwhelming. I just want to go one game at a time, right. talk about that matchup. What can we do to win that game and then go from there? So is it a championship or bust? Um, I look at it this way too. Championship or bust is kind of a, a mentality of like, if we don't win this year, this team is over. And that's not true with this team with the way the contracts are aligned with the culture that we've built, because that's what's winning right now. The depth equals culture. James Jones knows how to build a team. Monty Williams, more importantly, knows how to coach that talent, and everybody buys in because of that, and they know their role. So if you mm. say championship or bust, you're you're saying, well, if we don't win this season, they're going to blow it up, and we don't have a chance ever again. And I just don't believe that in my heart. Now, if this was like the 2010 Phoenix Suns, I would believe championship or bust, because it was like that was the end of Nash. That was Nash's right. final run. And we, we're what we're seeing right now is even with Chris Paul injured and campaign starting, you can kind of see beyond the horizon of Chris Paul. You know, it's it's still out there, still far enough away to where you don't want to talk about it, but you know that it does exist and you know that you're going to be okay when it happens. Absolutely. And kind of to your point to the 2009-10 Suns, you know, 
Amari was a free agent after that year, too. Exactly, yeah. We, we knew the we ride was over. We kind of have that with Aiton to a point, but I still feel like we're going to get the job done and we're going to do what we need to do. Even Aiton has come out and said it's less about contracts, more about winning. I think he's going to get his bag, and I think he's also going to see that if he doesn't take the max, and I'm like maybe 20 mil overall, we can go get ABC player. You know, I think he's bought into, in, bought into that culture. Mm-hmm. as you know son's culture as everybody talks about so but you can also see even if we lose Aiden and chris paul with the system that we have and we did it with rubio and aaron freaking yep. baines that we can pl- i don't want to say plug and play because that's going to no. be disrespectful to ricky rubio and to these to these uh caliber of players but if we get a guy like sga or Dejounte murray two three years down the road you know you can plug and play those mm-hmm. types of players into this system so I don't think there's players that do what DA does on a nightly basis, such as play defense, rebound, and score um, at ease, which, by the way, I'll save it for the eight and drop. Whenever we do an eight and drop, I'll I'll save that. This is just a deep team. It's not championship or bust, but somebody did point out in the chat, um, if we don't win, is this the most disappointing team? I would still say no because of the hype of the Barkley years, because of Steve Nash getting two rings and... Amari finally, you know, bust busting out 2009 and 10 the way he did that specific year. Uh, uh, Richardson and Steve Nash, just the way that whole team kind of came together and it was the last ride. I wouldn't say it's the most disappointment because of what you said. You can see what's on the horizon and you can see the development. And one thing I forgot to bring up when we were talking about all these guys stepping in and and Shamit now taking it to the hole, that's called player development, you mm-hmm. guys. We saw Mikhail start doing that. Once he did that, what happened? Then we saw Cam Johnson, as you said. Now we're seeing Shamit do that. Who's the same age as those guys? Exactly. That is called player development. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the, the coaching staff, top to bottom, and especially what Mark Bryant has done. So I got to save my D8 takes, though. But watch. Don't say them. Go ahead and say them right now. Man, Aiton is legendary over his left shoulder with the hook. But you know what he did tonight? Hmm. He spun it to the right in yes, the lane. Yes, I saw. And then I thought of you. With his right hand, saw it. That's saw called it development. It's like he just tried it. Figured, oh, oh what's going to happen if I go this way? Oh God, I can, I can do that too. Let's go. I'm I'm still waiting for his multiple three pointer game. That might come in the playoffs, though. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, that'll be at a closeout game against. Uh the Pelicans or something, but no, uh, eight for 11 from the field, 20 points in 23 minutes for DA and 12 rebounds. Again, we talk about it almost at nauseum. What's going to happen in the off season. He's putting together, he's priming himself up for the playoffs. Ladies and gentlemen, that's mm-hmm. what I'm seeing from DAs. He's priming himself up for the playoffs. I'm going to, we'll talk about the Kings game here momentarily, but you know, that's going to be an interesting test because Demonte Sabonis kind of owns DA, but we typically beat Sabonis led teams because DA will just sit there, put in the dirty work against him, do his best to limit him, and then the rest of the team does their job uh, and shuts down the rest of the team. And then, you know, you know, it's like, okay, Sabonis had 28, and that's it. You know, nobody did anything. But to your point, development. DA is continuing to develop. He's very young. He's, what, 22? Is he 23? 23? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't even know if he's 23 yet. And he's, he's showing a little bit more in his bag, a little bit more and more. And he's gone to Monty Williams, and he said 23. that. Yeah, 23 years old for DA. He's he's gone to Monty Williams and he's told him he's like, hey, I want the ball a little bit more. I want to be a little bit more aggressive. And they're starting to actually drop some plays for him. 
in the post, and you're starting to see him flex his ability in there. He's unbelievably athletic. His his footwork and his touch is fantastic. And, hell, he even had a a play today that made me laugh aloud when the pass came to him, he butterfingered it, still got the ball, and still laid it in. I was like, look at the development there. You know, so, again, when you say championship or bust, you're you're denying the fact that any of these guys are going to be better next season. That's why when I hear – any national pundits talk about how the Clippers are going to be the best team in the season next year. And they're already talking about next year's teams. It's like, dude, you can't discount this young Phoenix Suns team and the way that they're developing. It's the same reason why I think the Grizzlies are going to be really good next year too. Not to say they're not good this year, but they're going to have another year of development underneath their belt. And the way that this team is going to play next season is it's a lot different than the 93 team, which I agree with you. It's probably the most disappointing. uh, That was probably the most, I mean, also, I was like a young kid, uh, but that was probably the most disappointed I've been. Um, but you look at it like at that point in his career, Charles Barkley was in the league about eight years. I think he was drafted in 84. Uh, Tom Chambers, I don't, you know, end of his career. He went and he played in Utah after that. Danny Ainge, back end of his career. Uh, so a lot of the role players that made that the, the, de- the deepest team I've seen in Phoenix Suns history was that team prior to this one. Uh the majority of those players, they were either at the back end of their career, uh, at the back end of their career, or at the front end of a drug problem. So Richard Dumas, Richard Oliver Dumas, Miller. Man, Oliver Miller. You know, I mean, so it was just like the the difference between those two teams. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought that was a good one. In fact, look what I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing a shirt. I know. Wearing my yes. my '93 Barkley, Marley, Johnson, Angel, Sabalas. I'm wearing my my '92 '93 Suns team. You know, KJ was at the back end of his, he wasn't at the back end of his career because his career didn't end until '99. But he was injured that year. I was th- in that tweet that we were talking about yesterday. It's like you could say the same thing about the Phoenix. Well, they could have won a championship in '93 if they were all healthy. But Cedric Sabalas got injured, you know, prior 90, to the finals. And KJ was '95 when we were the best team, and Manning went out. Exactly, Manning went out. I mean, it's just like you could play that game every year. Huh. So, but again, I think that this team, the and we've talked about it at nauseum, but the depth uh, is was personified again tonight by DeAndre Ayton. You know, and and that start we had six players scoring double figures. We had Mikhail Bridges with eleven. Tory Craig, who was perfect from the field with 14, DA with the 20, D Book with the, the 28, Campaign had 15, JaVale McGee had 12, and Landry Shamit had 14. That's how you win ball games, ladies and gentlemen. Plain and simple. Missing three guys that could all go out for 25 any given night. Amen. And yeah, amen. I mean, this team, you know, we're celebrating in the moment as well we should. It's they, they they feel infallible right now until they go out and they lose to the Kings on Sunday. We're like, what the fuck happened? You know, but rejected <laughs> that won't happen. I know that should be that should be rejected. Uh, Clay, Crazy Luigi Johnson played in 2000. I'm sorry. I missed it by a year, but I'm glad you're here. Crazy Luigi to correct me. Uh, if look at Mr. Anderson, if ifs were a fifth, we'd all be drunk. Amen. That, that's God. That's what we should have replied. Oh. If so and so was injured next, so, next time, next time, I need to like snip that specific thing and uh, and just use that over and over and over again against people. Um, let's see any other notes I had on this game. I want uh, Alex Caruso is he extremely sensitive? Like, you barely touch the guy and he needs medical attention. What are your thoughts on Alex Caruso? Oh, Elmer Fudd. Elmer <laughs> Fudd tried tried to guard the cookbook tonight, and it just did not go well for him. I still think Booker has a little something against him for being with the Lakers the last few years, hundred percent, and, and clowning them. That was that was the killer DNA thing that we saw tonight. I so wanted Booker to get a uh, one of those buckets at the end of the yes. first half against him, 
I wanted that so bad. I, I mean, he's he's a nice player. He's the only one outside of Drew Holiday that really deed up and, and gave any type of whatever you want to Devin Booker in the playoffs. So, like, he's a nice player for them. It was a good pickup, yada, yada, yada. Uh, let's not waste any more breath on Elmer Fudd. Yeah, Alex Caruso, uh, I think he's good for the league because he, he hustles and he plays tenacious defense. Uh, but, again, he looks like Elmer Fudd and it just bothers me. So, I, I'm with you there. Uh, Vucevic. Vucevic. Yeah. Whatever happened to that guy? I always thought, like, I, I – when he was in Orlando, I thought he was a good player on a bad team. And it turns out he's just like an average player. It's it's the it's the LeBron James big three effect that happened to Chris Bosch and what happened to um oh I can't think of the other guy's name off the top of my head right now. Uh Kevin Lowe. Very Xiao. Ilgauskas, exactly. It's it's playing the third fiddle. And when Lonzo Ball gets back, it'll probably be a little bit worse, maybe a little bit better on the inside, but he was sometimes their number one guy or number two guy. You know, he would get all the shots and he could put up 30 and 18. And one of the things I I personally judge DeAndre Ayton, everybody knows I'm not the blind supporter because I'm an Arizona State fan and all the allegations in college that I'm still petty about because I'm just that guy. <laughs> but I look at what the other big man does to Ayton, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we talked at nauseum what, uh, oh, what's the guy for the Knicks? Uh, Mitchell. Yeah. Is it is it Mitchell? Yeah, that yeah, went Mitchell off on Robinson. him. Mitchell Robinson, thank you. That went off and it was mostly because of a a weak side rebounding, lack of assistance. So I look at what the big guy did and for the fact that he only had 7 rebounds, no blocks, 16 points, a lot of them were were on jumpers, some of them without DA on there. I mean, I think that says a lot about DA because that's a guy that kind of gave DA some fits earlier in his career, mm-hmm. not recently, definitely earlier when we played them in the last game before the trade deadline last year, the one where we lost to Orlando and Aaron Gordon was still on the team and then the team got blown up and everybody got traded, you know. He he put the work on DA that game. If anybody else remembers that I'll one. Never forget that one, man. And and here comes DA just ho hum, I'm going to put up 20 and 12 and you saw Vooch getting mad, John. Oh, yeah. He got, he got teed up. Big mad. He was upset. Guys were were all over him, over his back, and not getting foul called. That's what I like to see from DA. When he can get under other big skins that have been in the league longer, 100%. that's saying something. And he was playing physical. And, you know, again, you see a lot where people are calling DA soft. He didn't look soft tonight. I mean, he was down there on the block, pushing, pushing guys around, utilizing uh, his leverage, uh, and getting underneath their skin, as you mentioned. And I think that... You know, it's valid to see, to make that observation and and continue to hope for it. Again, that's what I think the number one thing we talk about on this podcast when it comes to DA that pisses us off is just the inconsistency. It's like, why can't he be that like in every matchup? And I feel like as, as the finish line's in sight, what do we have now? 13 games left? 11? 11. 11 games 11. left. Uh, 11 games left for the Phoenix Suns. DeAndre Ayton's getting himself ready for the physical battle that lies ahead, and that's the NBA playoffs. And he's yeah. doing it by getting himself a little bit more engaged on offense and defense. Now, the one thing that kind of sucks is of those 11 games, only three of them are going to be at home. We play the Sixers uh, a week from Sunday. We got a game against the Lakers, and then the last game of the season against the Sacramento Kings. Everything else is going to be against on the road. But that being said, this team is, what, 32-4 and four on the road? This is the best road team in the NBA. I think you couple... The fact that this team's going on the road where they're road warriors and they actually gel better in those that environment 
Couple that with DeAndre Ayton getting himself engaged and ready for this playoff run, knowing that Chris Paul's return is probably around the corner. Did you see him on the sideline flexing his hand and showing showing it to campaign? He had one of the squeeze balls in the other hand, yep. Yeah, he's getting himself ready. He's, he's you know, so everything's kind of coming to fruition. Now, granted, it's is it a tough schedule that lies ahead? Of course, but it's not necessarily about getting the wins. It's about being competitive and dialing in what you need to for the playoffs. But all we can focus on is that game against the the Sacramento Kings on Sunday. But before we do that. Jam star of the game. Reminder, Jamsters, if you're watching along live, please let us know in the chat who your Jam star of the game is. Hit the thumbs up button and subscribe. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you go to shopjustsports.com, if you use the code SUNSJAM, you can get 15% off all of your Suns gear. And it's nice because they finally have good quality Suns gear. It's what happens when you start to win. They more than they they have more than just one fucking hat. So go well, there, get the hat. Who do you who are you giving your jam star of the game to, Coach? Monty Williams. Ooh, nice. I don't. Do you care to extrapolate, or do you even need to? I, do I do I need to? I mean, no. no matter who's out, no matter who starts, no matter who does whatever on the bench and plays whatever minutes, the same thing happens kudos to Monty Williams. You could have Ricky Rubio and Aaron Baines out there right now. And I guarantee you it would almost be the exact same product. Yeah, I I agree, man. It's just, it's unbelievable what he's doing with this team. If I'm going to pick a player though, I kind of want to go Booker because I felt like he was the energizer bunny that set the tone to this game. So I, I would give it to, I would give it to Booker honorable mention DA. Yeah, I give it to, to Booker as well. Uh, and just the, you know, book or I'm sorry, DA and Tory Craig, you know, the way that they were attacking both offensively and defensively. I thought that was something that frustrated a team that has really quality forwards, you know, and uh, they denied DeMar DeRozan from ha- from going off again. He got a lot of his points in garbage time uh, from the free throw line. So looter and a riot for him. Next up for the Phoenix Suns, a three o'clock start on Sunday against the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento at the Golden One Center, a place I have recently visited. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, Rashawn Holmes is out for the rest of the season due to personal reasons. So hope everything's okay with him. He's probably just tired and fed up with this damn team. He's like, nah, screw this. I'm going to be a free agent. I'm out of here. Like you brought uh, him some bonus, damn it. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, De'Aaron Fox was out with a hand injury on Friday. Um, but he, either way, you expect to go in there. You expect one of those weird games with the Kings where we could be down eight early and then we come back and win by 25. So I just expect some weirdness out of a weird time on Sunday against the Kings team that has for some reason always given us fits. I don't know why. And then I just expect them to run away with a win. So I I expect the Suns win by 18 or more on Sunday, but they're going to face adversity in the first half. Yeah, always do. I don't know what it is about the Kings. Uh, but just know this, when the Phoenix Suns played them last, it was November 8th. And when the Suns won that game, it pushed their record to 6-3. and three. They are 51-11 and 11 since the last time they played the Kings. Uh, conversely, the Kings dropped to 5-6 and six after that, and they've gone 20-40 and 40 since we last played them. So it's going to be very different. If you remember that last game we played them, they beat us in one of the first games of the season. The second time we uh, played them, we were up pretty big yeah. on them, and we let them come back at the end of the game. I think we won that game by like four points or five points. I think it was 109-104, if my memory serves me correctly. And 
they came back in that game and it was kind of annoying. It was kind of, you know, again, it was the same thing as last season. The Suns are trying to figure out who and what they are. Uh, but I agree in this game. Th- th- again, the interesting thing for me is Aiton versus Sabonis. Uh, not only do you have to play defense against a guy who's uh, a pretty big body and a big banger, but he's got a massive melon. And that thing, it can get in the way. If you go for a shot, he's not going to block the shot with his hands. He's going to block block it with his big Saboner head of his. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to the Suns going to Sacramento, playing them one of uh, two times left in the season. Outside of that, uh, outside of the Kings, every team they play, is a is a quality team except for like the Lakers. Uh, every team is a quality play, team that they have to play. So this is one that you know go get that win, go get number fifty eight Phoenix Suns. It would be fantastic. Uh, really looking forward to that game because again the, the Kings, the Kings are always that team that I look at and like, hey, you know, they're, they're like somebody you grew up with, and you just kind of life turned out differently. You know, they they got it. They they started smoking cigarettes. They've had a cut some health problems. You know, you're both in your late thirties, early forties, and they're not doing too well. They've got two kids with two different women. And like, meanwhile, like you're happy and you got a good job. And that's what it was with the Kings, man. Like we were in the draft right next to them in the lottery for many, many years. And now here we are, uh, a team that went to the finals last year, who has the best record in the NBA by nine games. And there they are, you know, going for another season where they don't make the playoffs and haven't done so since 2006. So it's just a a tale of two franchises. Rebound, rebound, rebound. The only thing that I could see us uh, having issues with would be uh, Trey Lyles and DeMontis Savona starting against us with the mighty Alex Len backing them up, uh, by the way. The Alex Len revenge game. I could see (laughs) that being an issue. If they get some second second chance points and they can out-rebound us, which... They lost 126 to 97 to the Kings tonight, but you know, they're the Kings. Who they play? Yeah. Uh, the Celtics 126, oh, okay. Kings 97. Damn. Yeah, uh, Sabonis had 30 and 20 tonight. So, Jesus, yeah, and they, and they still lost. See, it's what I told and you. They, Let him do yep. his thing and then just take care of everybody else. Harrison Barnes 0 for 5, and he was the one that made the last second three. It was like the second or third game of the year. That's to, right, to, to the beat buzzer us. beater. But now they don't have Buddy Heald. The Aaron Fox looks like he's not playing. They start Davion Mitchell and Justin Holiday, by the way, somebody that Suns fans really wanted, and Harrison Barnes. So that backcourt is actually pretty feisty and tall and lengthy. Yes, yes. So I could see where that could get a little problematic. But once the subs come in, I, I expect that knockout punch to happen. Yep, the knockout punch. Yes, the second team unit for the Phoenix Suns right yep. now. So it will, it'll be interesting. Suns fans, you know where to go. Come join us live after the game. Uh, we'll be right here in the Suns Jam Session podcast, as per usual. Coach Evan B, again, can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, we almost need to call it, we need to come up with like a new name because you're on here so much. It's, you know, John and Matthew makes jam. We got to be like the Suns C Jam podcast or something. I don't know. Or jam am, I the, or, am I the official sixth man or, yeah, or off the bench or something? Yeah, you're off the bench. Like it's, it's, you got an E for Evan. So it'll be like jam, but we'll put like an E at the end. It's like jam A. Suns Jam A podcast. <laughs> so if if I ever get one of those uh, Suns Jam graphics and it has the volume takes and all that, where would my volume be? Would I be all the way up to where you are? Am I am I a little bit back? You're one back. Yeah, I haven't made you a graphic yet. I'm a dick. Send me oh, a picture you want. No, no, that's a good point. I used to do that. Like uh, uh, Suns Geek Flex, they all have them, and you're like you're on more than all of them. Send me the picture you want. I will make you a graphic, a Suns Jam session graphic. Your volume, your volume will be one less than me because no one's louder than me. I'm sorry. I'm just a loud son of a bitch. It's I can't true. whisper. My wife is like, stop talking. I'm like, I'm whispering. So uh, Fabio in the chat, Suns Jam Sessions on Fire podcast. 
you, <laughs> something you like that. It's got to be. Yeah. Like so uh, again, appreciate you coming on. Let everyone know where they can follow you at coach Evan B and at he's on fire pod. Thanks for the 200 subs, by the way, everybody, we appreciate you. Nice fucking a let's get it uh, on that note. Jamsters. We'll see you on Sunday. And as Matthew would always say, go home and love your family. Well played. <laughs>